Hello, friends. Happy Friday, or whatever day you happen to be listening to this. We are excited to be with you. We are the Homemade Family, Nathaniel and Amy White. Hi there. Hi. You can catch us on Facebook or on YouTube or on our website, www.thehomemadefamily.org or anywhere that you get podcasts to search for Insight Now, The Homemade Family, and you can join us. We are excited for today. Before we jump in, though, I have to tell you that Nathaniel and I, when we do these lives and the we go into the studio and watch the video of ourselves, we love to sit and make faces at ourselves. That's what we do. And we laugh. And then all of a sudden we're going live and we're like, okay, let's be all serious. <laughs> right. Yes. All so there's some behind the scenes look for you. All yes. right. All right. So today we're talking about breaking up with culture. And, uh, and that really is our goal for this, that by the end of listening to us today, you really feel, um, a compelling permission <laughs> um, to break up with the culture around us. We've been reading as a family, uh, our family Bible time, we've been reading through Genesis. We just finished that up and carried right on into Exodus. And so a lot of what we've been reading about lately has been how did Israel get into Egypt? And now how are they getting out of Egypt? Um, and, you know, it's just kind of interesting because it, it takes about 14 chapters or so of the book of Exodus to explain how did Israel get out of Egypt. And you can think about that. I mean, this is like the birth of Moses and the raising of Moses and the fleeing of Moses to Midian and his coming back and after, after the burning bush and all of the 10 plagues and Passover and departing of the Red Sea, all of that only takes about 14, 15 chapters. But then the next three and a half books are actually getting Egypt out of Israel, if you understand what I'm saying. Like they'd spent 400 years in a foreign culture that didn't worship the Lord, that didn't have the same value system, that wasn't pulling them the same direction that God wanted for them. And, and it took 40 years and three and a half books of scripture worth of instructions and teachings and, and discipling to get Egypt out of Israel enough for, that they could actually walk into the promised land. And so for us, then as believers, it, it's, it really is a message to help awaken us to this question of just how much am I influenced by the culture around me? And it really is a question that we need to intentionally ask because the nature of culture is it's invisible like your culture will tend to be invisible to you. And Amy's going to get into that to help us see some of the things that are like, invisible. My notes. No. I'm just <laughs> introing. I'm setting you up. You're good. Um, but the nature of culture is it's invisible. So Amy's going to help us see um, some of the aspects of culture that, that they're just invisible to us. We don't even know that they're there. Um, but because it's invisible, we're going to need to learn to ask these questions very intentionally. And, um, and by the end of today, you're going to, I think, feel a very compelling reason to do exactly that. To break up with culture. And then break Ooh. up with culture. Yeah. So I have had the privilege of traveling to eight different nations on mission trips. And I feel like because of that, I really have, you know, a culture is not something that I would ever just 
be thinking about, you know, it's like I go about my daily life. I don't ever think about culture or why we do the things that we do. But because I have been to so many different nations, I have experienced so many different cultures and things that I find just intriguing and fascinating and maybe even beneficial from other cultures that that's where um, I feel like culture has become a big deal to us and where the Lord has really taken it. I love what Nathaniel said there about, you know, not, like how did <clears throat> how did Israel get out of Egypt? But then Egypt had to get out of Israel <laughs> because they had just picked up so much of the culture. So when we're talking today about breaking up with culture, the first thing that we want to talk about is what is culture? Because we need to know what it is if we're going to break up with it. Um, Wikipedia's definition of culture is this. Culture is an umbrella term which encompasses the social behavior and norms found in human societies, as well as the knowledge, beliefs, arts, laws, customs, capabilities, and habits of the individuals of these groups. You guys, I like to say it a lot easier than that. The culture is just an invisible force that shapes our thoughts, our behaviors, and our life. It's like a, a swimming pool that swirls around when the kids all run in one direction. You can lift up your feet and you're just carried along by this invisible current or this current that is going on. And that's how culture is. We just we live in a current that is pulling us along. So why does culture actually matter? Because, because it is an invisible force that's pulling you along, if we don't see it, then we don't know that it's there and we won't ever question why we do what we do. We're just swept along. <laughs> yeah. And then that's why sometimes you, as a, as a culture, we end up in a place where we're like, how did we get here? You know, this isn't where we wanted to be. What got us here? Well, there were these invisible forces pulling us along. And a lot of that is culture. Yes. Um, so I think it's healthy to question why we do what we do. Why do we do what we do? Mm -hmm. um, a funny story from the beginning of our marriage. Uh, the first time we're married and the trash can got full. I kept wondering why Nathaniel was not taking out the trash. Nathaniel, however, stood there wondering why I wouldn't take out the trash. <laughs> and the truth is, I grew up in a family where every Wednesday, my dad went around the house, collected every garbage from every garbage can, bagged it up and took it to the curb. Nathaniel grew up in a home where his dad worked all the time. His mom was a stay at home mom. She would go around the house, collect all the trash, bag it up and take it to the curb. So here Nathaniel and I are standing here looking at this full trash can and our cultures are colliding because you know, it was just, I just assumed that men took out the trash. He just assumed women took out the trash. And until we clashed on it, we didn't realize that there was any kind of different culture. Um, the same thing is an American culture. We very much value our independence in the United States of America. Watch out. Most kids, me included, were like, I can't wait till I'm 18 and I can leave my parents' house and do whatever I want, you know? <laughs> if you say, you know what, I'm 40 years old and I still live with my mom and dad, like that has a negative connotation. Yeah. Because our what culture are you doing says, with your life? I know, like, are you doing nothing? Why would you want to live with your parents? But in so many other cultures around the world, People live multi-generationally, but to us, this seems like a foreign concept. Why would we want to do this? And yet I know amazing families 
who are breaking out of the culture mode, who the younger family and the parents have purchased a home together and they're living in that home together. Multiple families that I know that are doing this nowadays. And I'm yeah. like, this is so wise. Like you grow up with the benefit of multi-generational wisdom. Um, not only that, you can cut your mortgage payment and utilities in half, you know, like there's so many benefits to this. And um, so this is just a place that I wanted to point out some of the places where where, where we are just going in a flow, in a pull of culture, that we wouldn't think about these things until something else happens. I'm not making any judgment statements about what's right or wrong. I'm just pointing it out so that we can recognize that these things, even the fact that we think like at 18, I should move out or, you know, I should put my parents in a nursing home or, you know, I need to have my own house. All of these things are cultural pulls that we just believed to be true, that we can now recognize that these things may or may not actually be kingdom things. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, it, like Amy said, these are examples of cultural things that they're invisible until somebody points them out to you. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I never even thought about that. Yeah. That's the point. That's the point. <laughs> That's the point. And, and actually, a lot of what our culture values um, why don't we, um, kind of, okay. we'll go here next and then we'll come back to here. Um, so <clears throat> a lot of what our culture values is, um, productivity, it's independence, it's responsibility, it's achievement, it's all of those kinds of things. And you, and, 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 uh, I last over the last couple of years, I've done a lot of historical just side reading biographies of founders and things like that. And there was a lot in the founding of America that was in reaction to the way that England ran things where in England and in the old world, everything was about heredity and blood. And what did your blood bestow upon you? Like you have this title that's been in your family for 20 generations and that's why you are Lord so-and-so. And that's why you own this land. And that's why you have authority to do X, Y, and Z. And in America, they intentionally said, no, nothing is hereditary. In fact, um, side story, this is probably deeper than I need to get into all of this. And it's going to be bore all but 10% of you. I apologize. But George Washington actually got into a bit of trouble because he and a number of his generals started an organization that membership in the organization actually did pass through hereditary lines. And, um, and that was like, so opposite the value system of what founded America, uh, that they actually got into some, some heat and some trouble, by the way, that organization still exists. Um, but anyway, uh, that value system is so ingrained in how we think as Americans that you have to establish and do these things for yourself. Um, that, some of what it has created is actually what I think is bringing destruction and detrimental impact on family. And so just zooming way out, let's just zoom way out. If you'll come out to the really big satellite picture of, of our national culture and Western culture in general, um, we just kind of, I, I want to ask some questions like, let's just look at family culture within this context. Okay. And, and ask ourselves, 
when we look at the culture around us, do we see family being done the way that we want to do family? Do we see the fruit in family that we want to have in our own homes? Do we see kids thriving the way that we want to see our kids thriving? Do we see intelligence, wisdom, capability, respect, confidence, security, respond, you know, like all of these things? Do we see those characteristics and traits growing in kids generation by generation? Or do we see them decreasing or stagnant? Or like, what do we actually see as the fruit of the way that cult that the culture around us is teaching people to parent and my what i propose is that very much we are not seeing the fruit this is what amy and i can say for sure and if you're listening to us i'm sure you you would agree that when we look at the culture around us we do not see the fruit in the kids that we want to see in our kids and uh well just to state the obvious that means we're going to need to break up with their advice, their influence, their voice, their pull, and we're going to have to do it differently or we're going to end up with the exact same result that we're saying right now is not what we want. Yeah, I think um, I just want to share this story. When Nathaniel and I very first got married, we sat down on the couch and we said, what do we want our life to look like? We said we both want to have jobs where we work from home because we want to be able to raise our own kids. We yeah. want to homeschool. We want to do these things. And we put together a vision to get us to where we would go. And then we really lived according to that vision. And when we had that vision, we had to say no to some things to say yes to other things. And God has been so faithful, but it really was living counterculturally and making intentional decisions that actually got us to that point. And so just, you know, that permission to break up with culture, that just because this is the way that things have always been done, doesn't mean it's the way that they always have to be done. <laughs> right. And if we can just kind of peel, I want to look at a couple of different things from scripture um, to just kind of peel back the, the cover on the culture that is around us and let us see kind of underneath it. And um, at spoiler alert, I, in my opinion, it's kind of like you, you pick up a rock in the middle of the, the, the ground and it's like there's all the gross stuff underneath. Um, it, it might be a little bit like that. So um, so just bear with us if some of this is a little bit heavy, um, because I mean, it, this is a breakup process. It really is a call to break up with something that isn't bearing good fruit. And, um, and, and I think that we're about to be able to tell you why. So, um, Malachi four, five, and six, uh, says that God will send the spirit of Elijah in the last days. God will send the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. And that's, that's generic. That's parents to children, children to parents. Um, and, uh, and it actually says, so that I will not strike the land with a curse of utter destruction. And one of the things that Amy is fond of saying about that is, I don't know how much that that is necessarily 
a direct curse from the Lord, like Sodom and Gomorrah, there's fire and brimstone raining down on a culture or a people or a nation because of their lack of honor between generations or connection between generations. It's just, you know, hey, one of the commandments happens to be honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you. It's, it's the only command that has a promise attached to it. And it's a promise of things going well and being blessed. And so, well, naturally, if there's dishonor and disconnection between generations, what's the natural result of that in generation past over generation is lessening blessing, decreasing blessing, decreasing goodness, decreasing lifespan, all of those kinds of things are consequences of family breaking down. Mm-hmm. And and so it eventually is like, hey, well, without the family being connected in a healthy way, there actually does eventually become a rottenness and gangrenous destruction that enters into a culture. It's just a biblical truth. Yeah, I think that um, it, it's like this is the seed that you're sowing is rebellion. The seed that you're sowing is broken people. The thing that you're sowing, you know, and then we begin to reap fruit. The broken people, broken foundations can't build healthy things, you know, and um, rebellion can't build something healthy. And so we just we begin to eat the fruit of what we've sown. And honestly, I feel like we're seeing some of this manifesting even today as we look around and and, you know, parents are their hearts are so turned away from their kids. It's like, you know, uh, I just want somebody else to babysit my kids or, you know, I can't wait till they go off to school and I'm going to celebrate that I'm finally free of my kids or I can't wait till my kid is 18. And they're saying and the kids are saying the same thing. You know, the dishonor actually goes both ways. And the kids are like, my parents, they don't know anything like I can go anywhere, you know, to get my education into like on YouTube and, and other places, you know, my parents don't really know anything. And and there's just this dishonor in both directions. Yeah. And it's not bearing good fruit in our land. We're seeing yeah. in the land the the fruit of this rebellion and breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> And, and some of that, just as a practical example, I, I just saw a friend of ours who is a teacher posts a, a little meme like from, from a, a teacher's perspective, like here's a letter to, to the parents. If you don't demand respect from your children at home, they're not going to respect me here. If you allow them to, to sass you at home, they're going to sass me here. If you uh, it don't actually hold your boundaries, they're not going to respect mine. You know, and so it and the bottom line is parents are always the first teacher of the children. Mm -hmm. And so if if we don't do our job, then when a policeman confronts them, they don't honor the policeman. When when government is doing something they don't like, then they're just like, well, let's just tear it down. When whatever the, the authority structure is, if they didn't learn to respond appropriately to authority at home, they're not going to respond to authority properly somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's just one symptom. That's just one symptom that I'm I'm saying as an example to try to make it a concrete, understandable, practical thing. Um, But I want to try to get even deeper into the root of that because you guys know me by this point. This is what I do is, you know, what Amy's saying, you know, you want, you see videos every September, of parents seeing their kids off on the school bus the first day of school and they're like bye 
bathrobe as you. And then they turn around and they've got the bathrobe and the wine and they're like, yes, now we can do whatever we want. And it's the same thing with parent, with kids leaving the house at 18. It's like, yes, finally, now I can get, I can do whatever I want. Well, can you hear that the root of both of the, both sides of that is complete and utter selfishness. Mm-hmm. And, and, but what did Jesus teach us about love? That greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And, and what is the call of parenthood if it isn't a call to lay down our lives for our children. Like this is the essence, the one and only pure essence of parenting is laying our lives down for our kids. It, it is it is that, and it is nothing else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so anything other than that is completely running contrary to this. And yet because of this individualistic anti-hereditary culture that we have in American culture that has then influenced um, European culture and and Western culture and world culture. Um, We have this thing of, uh, of, you know, it's, I have to accomplish my desires I need to live my career. I need to live my life. I need to accomplish my goals because that's what the culture values. You have to achieve and you have to perform and you have to accomplish and you have to do it on your own and it has to be independent. And, and there's, there can be so much pressure on that one point that we will even sacrifice our kids to that accomplishing. And there is a spirit behind that that the same spirit you was around in biblical times and God actually had to warn Israel against it. He said, don't sacrifice your children to Molech. And it was literally, they would, it was human sacrifice. And you can see an example of it that um, Hezekiah, a good king, he, his own son, Manasseh, sacrificed one of his sons to Molech. And it says he made him pass through the fire, but it was, it was a human sacrifice. And maybe somebody says, oh, well, we don't have that in America. Like, well, let me very softly and compassionately say there have been more than 60 million babies killed through abortion since Roe v. Wade was, was made, went through the Supreme court. Because we don't have the time or the money, you know, like it's my life and I can't handle this right now. So I'm not going to, if I have this baby, then it's going to ruin my, career. Ruin my career. If I have this life. baby, I'm not going to have the money to support it. If I have this baby, it I, I can't, it's going to ruin my life. Mm-hmm. And so this is the same spirit that we are literally sacrificing our children <laughs> And our families for and our families too. for the sake of prosperity. Yeah. But there's another layer of it just in how we live our lives. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to talk about well, that? Well, can I talk about the the um, yeah? The, okay. So yeah. we have been reading in the book of Genesis, like we said earlier, and um, this. By the way, like I said, I, I we apologize. We know this is a bit heavy. Yeah. We'll get to some happier <laughs> we'll stuff here in a second. Just here, bang, 
bear with us bear with for us. a second. Um, you know, it, it is it is hard when we need when we come to a realization and we need to come to repentance. Uh, and like I said, like we like all of us are are on in process, and it's okay. But but until um, you recognize something's broken, you can't heal it. Yeah, yeah, you have to actually recognize it first. And so uh, we were reading in Genesis, and it was when Pharaoh came to the Israelite midwives, and he said, "You know what?" In, in Exodus. In in. Oh, in Exodus. Yes. He came to the Israelite midwives and he told them, you know what, these guys, these, this, these people have become so numerous. I want you to kill all the baby boys. And they're like fearing God and they don't want to do that. But he said, and then the way that we're going to keep them in captivity and from prospering and multiplying, the way they were going to keep them from prospering and multiplying was two ways, one to kill their babies and two, to keep them busy with work. He yeah. would strap them with labor yes. and that would keep them from. There we go. Right. We're back. We're back. I don't know I don't if you know heard that or if, if it was just completely blank. But. So let's just repeat that that the, the Israelites are multiplying and becoming so prosperous that we need to kill their babies and we need to keep them busy with work, with labor. This is how they would keep them from prospering and multiplying was actually to, to give them too much work to do and to kill their babies. And you guys, this Egypt is a, a biblical example of the world system. And so what is the world system, the world's culture put on us is that we would labor so intensely that we would be willing even to kill our children for the sake of prospering and labor. Yeah. And that actually is a way of oppression for the people. It's right. not God's plan. It's not the prospering. Yeah. And even then raising our kids into the same slavery the same through, slavery. hey, we've got to get up for the morning sports practice and we've got to run to this event. And we've got to run to that event. And we think we're serving our kids, but we're actually enslaving them Yeah. to the same system that enslaved us. Yes. Now I am not saying <laughs> don't work, sit around and do nothing. No. I'm saying let's be aware of the fruit of this system. Is it healthy? Is it bearing good fruit in our children or are our children and ourselves more depressed, more anxious, more disconnected, more broken, higher suicide, higher rates, suicide higher rates, depression rates, lower levels of education and ability to perform on the job and pass more emotional and instability, all of these things. Yeah. <laughs> and so we need to say, if we're bearing bad fruit, then what can we change in order yeah. to bring a shift to this culture? Yeah. And so that change starts by recognizing the other spirit at work in all of this, which is the spirit of mammon, the spirit of money, and the and a deep, deep, deep question that all of us need to address is who is our provider? If we feel the pressure to be our own provider, like I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I've got to do this work hard. I've got to do all this stuff. If we are our provider or if our job is our provider or our employer is our provider or whatever it is, if, if that's the pressure on us, then we are likely accidentally, unknowingly serving the God of mammon. But if we know that God is our provider, 
then we are trusting that as long as we are living for him and from his design and towards his design, he is going to meet our needs. Uh, the word provision is provision. It's not just money, it's supply for a vision. And that really is what begins this breakup. Well, what be the first step of the breakup is realizing that you're in a toxic relationship with a spirit of mammon and a spirit of Molech. <laughs> and you want nothing to do with that fruit that it is bearing in the culture around us. And you're like, God, I'm sorry. I want nothing to do with that. I want my family to serve you. And so then, then the, here's the great thing is you get to then dream with the Lord. What do you want your family to look like? What does it look like for your family to be holy unto the Lord, to serve the Lord, to love the Lord, to walk with the Lord all of the days of their lives, to be fully thriving in life, to be confident and courageous and, and, and secure. Like, what does that actually look like? And then you get to go to the Lord and say, God, this is what I think your plan for us is. How do we build this? How do we help lead our kids into this? How do we get free from the things in us that isn't there yet either? I got too much Egypt in me still. Can you help get this out of me? And this is when we as families get to start having God deliver us, get deliver Egypt out of us. And we get to stop living for the world system, enslaved to the world system, building the wealth of the world system. And we get to begin moving towards a promised land where there's actually thriving generations connected in honor and blessing increases generation by generation. Yeah, um, we're running out of time here, but I'd like to just give you some really helpful just questions that you can sit down with God. And just like Nathaniel and I sat down at the beginning of our marriage and said, what do we want our family to look like? And then we had to make intentional choices, which looked like, you know, saying no to many of the luxuries of today. We or didn't job even opportunities own a TV that, for many years. Yeah, or job opportunities <laughs> job that were going to lead us back yeah. into that slavery cycle. Yep. So that we could keep our eyes fixed on the Lord and do what we felt like he put in our hearts. But here's just some really helpful questions that you can ask. What's important for me, for my kids and for our family in this season? You guys, change. yep. And it changes. That's why I say season, because what works now might not work in six months and or 12 months or five years. So you need to regularly come back. Lord, what's right for us and or what's important in this season? Um, number two, is there a place where I am just going with the flow? Lord, would you point it out to me where it is that I'm entrenched in culture and help me to see culture? Um, are there places where I need to step out of what culture is doing? Mm -hmm. uh, what do I want for my life, for our lives and for our children's lives? What is the vision? What is the goal? What, what would you like to see happen? I have a dream. I have a dream. And then begin to write some simple steps that can help get you there. And then what will it take to get there, to get us there? Because yeah. sometimes it's you and sometimes it's family and sometimes it's kids. And then begin to just be intentional to make those things. When, when our kids were little, I had a dream that one day we would sit around the table reading our Bible and that my kids would be sharing what the Lord 
is teaching them. Yeah. And we are this close to being there. My oldest is 14, the next is 13, and then I have a 12 year old and my younger ones are there, but this was layers upon layers, us reading to them when they were little and then reading through the kitty Bibles when they started to read. And now we actually read the real Bible and we invite them. We're teaching and training. It's strategic. It's intentional. We haven't made it to the goal yet, but the vision is what keeps us making intentional choices to let's not turn on the TV tonight. Let's do this instead. Or, right. hey, when we get up in the morning before we run out the door, let's make sure that we do this. So these questions can help you recognize where you've just been going with the flow and where we can stop and intentionally build what the Lord has for our family to help shift yeah. culture in general. Yeah. And just to help keep this from being overwhelming, because it probably <laughs> probably is a really, really big shift if if this especially if this is new, you know, and you're just starting this process, hopefully this is life giving to you, even though it's heavy. Hopefully it's like, oh, my gosh, this gives me language that I've needed to understand. I've felt this hunger for something different and and I just haven't had the confidence. And hopefully that's what you're experiencing right now is yes. this infusion of confidence to actually break up with the world system, to break up with culture and and give God permission to, to create something completely brand new inside of you and in your family. But just to help it not be so burdensome, just ask the Lord for priority number one. What is one change to make first what's the one change to make first mm -hmm. and you make that for three months it'll be a habit then you ask him for another one what's the next change make it for three months and it'll start being a habit um yeah. those just one step at a time one step at a time and believe me a year two years three years down the road you're going to be amazed at where you're at yeah also encouragement for you guys who are already living this life, have already broken up with culture yes. because culture's pull is so strong. It sometimes feels like, like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing it right. Or you want to keep going, like the pull is strong. I, I know for us, we've made intentional choices about sports or schools and, and it's like, but my kids are missing out, but we're missing out. But the truth is, no, we're not. The we're Lord is doing, them something we're different. giving them something different. It's and, actually the and world that's good. missing out. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Stacy Switzer says, keep it coming. This is so good. And uh, Chris Bassett says, great job. Such a healthy lens to keep. Oh, anyway, um, yeah, we just we give you permission to break up with culture, to build kingdom families and yes. to do something different. And we mm -hmm. encourage you guys in that. Uh, Lord bless you guys in yes. that. Bless you. Bless you. We will be here again next Friday. Looking forward to hanging with you then. Yes. Have a great week until then.